Welcome to the Midlife CEO Podcast, where business coach and strategist Jeannie Spiro teaches you how to take your coaching business to six figures and beyond at Midlife. Join Jeannie and her guests as they reveal their best-kept secrets to creating a thriving six- or seven-figure lifestyle-based business. And now, Jeannie Spiro. Well, hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Midlife CEO Podcast. Today's guest is, again, another dear person in my life who I've known, I didn't realize it was five years already, but I've known for five years. This is a woman who I met uh, through someone else. And we have continued on a journey of knowing each other in several different ways for the last five years. So today's guest is Reverend Dr. Terilyn L. Curry Avery. She is a pastologist, spiritual leader, coach, and author, among other things. She inspires others to tap into their sacred intelligence, the divine part of you that helps you manifest your greatness, while simultaneously helping others to manifest theirs. Reverend Dr. Terilyn Curry Avery, or TLC, as she is affectionately called, has recently returned to her work in the area of dismantling racism and offers workshops, classes, and coaching in this area. Terilyn, I cannot wait to dive into all that we have to discuss today in this episode. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Jeannie. You know I'm so excited to be here because not only do I get to talk with you, I get to share a message of healing and hope as I always like to do whenever I have the opportunity. So it's so wonderful to be here. I am thrilled. So lots to talk about. I'm going to dive into my first question. Uh, you, you, you've studied a lot. You have gotten various degrees. And so for a period of time, you don't know I'm going to ask this question, but for a period of time, I believe you introduced yourself as Dr. Reverend, and you reversed it. Is that correct? Over the last few years? So so actually what happened is I I didn't even introduce myself as Reverend. I introduced myself as doctor. So I have a degree in clinical psychology. I'm a licensed psychologist and I um, worked for years working with uh, disenfranchised youth, worked in school system, juvenile delinquent, uh, institutions, educational institutions. And then I went back to get my master's of divinity, became a pastor. I thought, what on earth? Why is God calling me to do this work? And I recognized that I needed to do some work around the wounds of religion. But I still, when I came and had the opportunity to do some work with you, I still said, doctor, because it seemed as if the reverend part was not quite as relevant, shall we say, it's not that it wasn't a part of the work that I did because I try to bring my whole self in. I don't proselytize to people, but my training spiritually is important in the work that I do. So it really wasn't until I would say within the last year that I just decided to say, look, I'm the Reverend Dr. Carolyn Curry Avery, you know, I I have a church that I pastor. I have this business that I run with coaching and psychology and all of that. And so for those people who it's important to, I think they need to know that I am the Reverend 
doctor. So when we're bringing in spirituality and psychology, is because not only you know uh, is it something that I that's my passion because yes. it's just my personal experience. It's my professional experience. It's what I've trained to do. Yes. So I, I think it's really important to bring that in, even when I am not doing something that's necessarily just for ministry. Well, when we first met, it was this, um, uh, you know, this idea of expanding the wounds of religion, expanding manifest your greatness. It was looking at, I have done this work, you know, gone back to school and become a pastor. And well, I remember the first time you said, and you were saying, I'm a pastologist. I think it was in one of right. those signature talks. It was like, right. whoa, that's awesome. I love that because it's this blending of the two. But at the time that we first started working together many, many years back, it was, okay, I'm going to really focus on this one area of my, of my growth. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and, and I'll, I'll just reveal one of the things that was happening for a period of time was wanting to expand your business to support people in the wounds of religion. You had written a book. Yes. Right. Yes. yes. Sacred intelligence. Right. So mm -hmm. sacred intelligence will tell everyone about that and where they can get that as well. But it was okay. There's more to it. And you started to realize that it was more to it than the wounds of religion. What exactly. Tell me exactly. More. So, you know, Jeannie, it really is a process trying to find the target audience, first of mm -hmm. all, that, that, you know, and so for me, my sacred intelligence is about tapping into that divine part of you that allows you to make choices that will manifest your greatness and the greatness in others. So that's really my thing. I just understood that the wounds of religion was a piece of that because mm -hmm. For me, the work is about my sacred relationship, my selfish one, the one in which I look at and examine myself and my shared relationships, the, the, the piece of me that goes out into the world. So for anybody I work with, it's about trying to look at those three components. Well, the wounds of religion was just one of mm -hmm. those components. But I think one of the things that happen is, um, particularly as we get back to this you know, was it okay to use the reverend and the use of doctor? Because we know that so many people kind of poo-poo the religious piece in the business world, even if they practice outside right. of business, they try to separate those things. And so one of the things that I think for me was, was trying to find a way, how do I merge those two things in a way that people can hear me? Because it's always important that people hear your message. And so you have to think about what is the best way to present that message to folks, right? And so, uh, and you know, as, as a coach, you have to kind of give people what they think they want, and then you give them what they need sort of thing. So <laughs> a part of that idea. So, so what happened for me is that after some time, I really started to think about this expansion of me. Mm -hmm. So it's really ironic that right before COVID, right before the shutdown, I actually was in um, a weekend event mm -hmm. and the facilitator was talking about this idea of expansion. And I noticed in the way that she presented, she doesn't present from a spiritual place, but more of a physics, physics place, right? Mm -hmm. But she kept saying, God, universe, whatever you call it. Now here she is not a reverend. And she's doing that. Right. 
And she still kept talking about what are some ways that you can expand, expand, expand. And it was in that moment I said, I'm a reverend. I am a reverend just as much as I am a psychologist. Yes. And that needs to be in my title. And if it scares some people away, then they are not my ideal client. That's exactly right. Absolutely right. And I think that this is a piece like you have evolved as a as a business owner over the last period of time that I've known you. And initially, when we started working together, it was what am I going to focus on specifically? And you had been speaking for many years. You'd been holding workshops and retreats. Uh, so you were already gathering people. You already knew a lot of people. You already obviously had a lot of experience in the work that you were doing with clients when you were working with them in, in psychology. So you had all of this experience. And when you became an entrepreneur, it was this which direction am I going? How am I blending it all together? And I've loved watching your own evolution, just to be honest with you, Terrilyn, because I feel like it's it, it, you've landed, you've moved to a place that incorporates all of who you are to give all of who you are in a way that allows you to be and do what is important to you too, the work that you love, which we're going to talk more about. Yeah. And you know what I think about, Jeannie, with that coming together? And I mentioned that this workshop was right before COVID. In fact, mm -hmm. as I left that workshop, they shut things down the very next weekend. Here's what's interesting about bringing all of me in. The timing was perfect because during COVID, people needed that spiritual mm -hmm. piece. They needed yes. to kind of know that that like, what is this all about? How do I cope with this? Not only psychologically, but spiritually. And during that time, I actually developed a seven day prayer experience to teach people how to write their mm -hmm. own prayers, not proselytizing again, not even talking about what my faith tradition was, but helping people to settle. And then mm -hmm. the second pandemic, which is one of racism in this country, um, because that's how I, I look at it, particularly mm -hmm. for me that in and of itself was also saying to people to look at yourself as a spiritual being and it called everybody to kind of do an about face about face excuse me to say what is this all about how can i um if i'm a person of color how can i deal with the repeated assault on my mind body and spirit so being a pastor and being a psychologist both of those things work together because I could talk about a shared humanity and our spirituality. And if you are a person who is white, I could also talk about from that spiritual and that soul level of doing this work. So the timing of merging those two things was just really, it was, it was just a beautiful merger of them and bringing my whole self into it. Yeah, it, it was. And and it was also that you have spent years preparing to do some of the hard work and you've already been doing very, very hard work and work you love, obviously. But but in a sense, I almost look at it like you have you continue to do work to support other people and you work on yourself to support other people. And I think that's what we do as coaches as well as business owners and you as a pastor, you as a doctor, you're always working harder to, you're edu getting educated. You do inner work to yeah. be able to support others. I've seen you do this, um, but how, 
you were prepared in some ways, maybe not necessarily excited in that moment, but mm. I think of you as no other person that could have been more prepared because of this, the inner strength you also have mm. of doing hard work in many ways. Like, like Terlin, I'll just say, I remember one time we had a coaching call and you said, well, I'm going to a service or I have to prepare for a service for an individual, a young individual afterward. And I was thinking, I don't even know how you prepare for all of these things all the time. And, but I've seen you be mm. as professionally mm. move into that. C mm. Could you talk about some of that? Yeah. That for a yeah. yeah. I actually had forgotten about that, not the experience, but so it does take the preparation genie and that's actually uh, uh, an excellent point because the work that i do for instance now on racism didn't just happen just because the world woke up to it it's because i had years of training in that area the work that i do in terms of helping people to understand um their calling and their purpose came from years of personal experience and professional experience because i have a daily practice of grounding myself in spirit. And I understand that my calling and my purpose is to be used as a vessel and as an instrument of something much greater than I. Yes. And because I know that when I go out into the world, even as I'm trying to do my business, and you know this, Jeannie, I'm I'm still in the act of service. If if I'm whether I'm talking to you or whether I'm talking to a colleague, you know that that service ear is on. But it can only happen if I engage in what I call the selfish work that needs to be done, which is to take care of me, yes. which is to have those moments of yes, I serve, I help people, but then I need those moments where I need to have a resource for me. I need to have the quiet time for me. I need to, if I want to sob, which doesn't really happen very often, I need to be able to do that, you know, yes. as well. But it comes with, you know, the preparation and understanding also my purpose mm -hmm. so that I don't get confused in any of it. Because even while we were trying to figure out where do we go with manifest your greatness, sacred intelligence, etc., I always knew my purpose. And I always listen to the voice within to say, it, it may change a little bit what your focus is, but your purpose as a healer, your purpose as one who bridges the gap for folks, that doesn't change. Absolutely. I, I wanna bring this up about manifesting your greatness and the blending of dis dismantling racism, because there's a couple of things that I have personally dealt with over the last couple of years and all positive experiences. But as I've been moving to a different level of business growth, we've had some really good conversations where you have been supporting me in, in friendship, also in me being a mentor, you being my mentor, vice versa, a few times where we've been able to have very candid conversations that have been incredibly supportive. And one of them, and I'll just go back in time to a time when we, when you were in my mastermind community and we were all talking about, I don't even know actually how it started, but it was probably about 15 women and there were several black women. And, and I don't remember exactly how the conversation started, 
But I remember thinking, this is a conversation I want to have, and I'm very happy it's happening in my space. And I'm very, I'm pleased that everyone feels really good and comfortable having this conversation. And how do I make sure we have more of these conversations? And so in my mind, so not only was the conversation happening, we'll talk more about what that was, but in my mind, I'm thinking, oh, wow, I guess I am a leader here. And who am I gathering? And I do want these, these are important conversations. And, and these need to be explored. And you are, you're exploring and doing more of this in your work. So anyway, Terrilyn, do you, you recall that moment, right? I recall that moment. But Jeannie, I think what's important for your listeners to know about that moment, mm -hmm. that for me as an African-American woman, to see you as a white coach, stop in that moment and address the issue, because I remember it so distinctly. And what that told me in that moment is that you saw me. Mm -hmm. And I think that that is a, a lesson for white coaches who often kind of think about um, how, how you can engage in this work of dismantling racism or wondering if you have the skills to deal with it or wondering how you can reach folks of color. Mm -hmm. The moment we know that you see us, that's the moment that that that's important to us. It's like, wow, I can talk to her. I can talk to her and let her know that, hey, when I'm looking at my avatar and maybe my avatar looks different from yours, she'll see it. Yes. Or even if my avatar is not exclusively for people of color and I bring up an issue as a person of color, she'll see it and she will listen. That to me, now I, I, I all, your listeners probably should already know that I already loved you before that. <laughs> Vice versa. Like just from the person who introduced us, I think yes. so highly of her that when I came to your event, I was, I was already on board. Yes. But what I saw in you, even in that event was your authenticity. But what I saw in you in that intensive that we did with you, which was probably one of the first couple of ones was it that wow, she yeah. she sees because you stopped what you had planned because yeah. we were talk, talking about some issue that was going on in the world and it led to a conversation on race. It was and the way you allowed that space opened it up, not just for women of color, but all the other women started talking about it, too. And it was like, oh, my goodness, Everyone. this is great. It was I, great. I will tell you, Terrilyn, that moment to me was so important for a variety of reasons. And, and I will explain the moment, which I think to me was a matter of there was a topic and then it moved into this is what it is like for us when we come into an event or when we go to an experience or when we walk into a room as a black woman. And, and to me, I was like, stop everything. I want to hear this. I need to hear this. And in, in my mind, I was like, I don't care if anybody says anything other than that. And this is, mind you, years before yes. like Black Lives Matter. I mean, technically, yes, Black Lives Matter was... It, it was there. It was before then, everybody became woke. Let's exactly let's like that. It was before last year when George yes. was murdered. There were plenty of things going on, but it yes. wasn't talked about quite as much. And so really exactly. in that moment that you did that, that's why it was yeah. different for us. Because see, 
Jeannie, what's really important for your listeners to know, a lot of people have been talking about racism since last year. Yes. But that doesn't mean they've done anything about it. And so what you did in that moment, pre all of this was to say, hey, wait a minute, Mm -hmm. let's talk about this. Because I've been in plenty of situations where folks would have shut it down and just acted as if that wasn't, they would have acted as if it was my problem because I walked in a room and I had to, you know, have whatever experiences I had in that moment. But it was the beginning of, learning something from you in a different way, which was, and this is a separate part of it, was what is, in my mind, I was like, what is okay to ask? What is okay to talk about? And when do I, when do I ask you these types of questions? Is it appropriate or isn't it? And I started to listen more and I started to pay attention to to more. And I thought, how can I be more inclusive in conversation, in community, in everything, and making sure that people feel very comfortable in in all ways in my community? How can people feel very comfortable? But Terlin, you said something to me at one point, and, and I think I was listening to you as I was coaching you and you were talking about manifesting your greatness was I started to see in coaching you in coaching other people in manifesting their greatness. I was like, am I stepping up into my greatness? Am I doing what I need to be doing? Am I, am I being a leader who, who wants, am I leading the way I want to be leading authentically? And, and I remember a conversation, which was you openly came to me and said, Jeannie, here's some feedback for you about your website and your marketing materials. And I want you to know, will you tell me what, tell the listeners what that was? Yes. Um, Well, I I definitely know one of the things was I looked at your, your website and there was not one person of color on your testimonials. And it's not because you didn't have uh, clients of color. And And so one of the things that that happens when we live in this world of trying to dismantle racism is that um, we have to dismantle what people see as the norm, which is whiteness, right? Which is is just, we're marketing to a white world is how people tend to look at things, right? And so we don't notice what we don't know. Right. And I said to you, Jeannie, for a person of color, it is important when I look on that site and I see that there are other women of color that have supported your work, that actually does something for me. Now, the truth of the matter is, is that there are a lot of spaces I have to enter all the time where I am the only one. I live in New England, so of course that happens. But just because I have to enter those spaces, it does not mean that I don't want to see other people who look like me. Now, those people, we may be completely different. And it doesn't mean that I don't get along with the other white women in the group. But I also, I also think it's important for us to notice the voices that are not there. Who am I not representing? And if we say that we're a diverse company, how are we showing that? Mm -hmm. And so I'm grateful that you were able to hear it, which I knew you would be just from so many conversations. But um, I, I, just thought it was important to say, and this was long before. I know. (laughs) You know, like you have black clients, you need to have clients of color listed on your, on your website. And again, 
we don't know what we don't know. And I think I want to particularly say to folks who are white, ask the questions. Yeah. But pay attention to the tapestry. Pay attention to what you don't see in the tapestry and ask yourself, why does everything look the same as opposed to different? But I want to just say something about um, the listening part that is so critical. And, um, and that is this, listening will give you the information that you need to know about when it's appropriate to ask a question, when it's not appropriate to ask a question, when someone might feel like talking or not. Because one of the things I noticed in my work on dismantling racism is that white coaches are often in this place of guilt or uncertainty or insecurity or thinking that they're going to mess up. And what do I always say, Jeannie? I say, you are going to mess up. Yep. Just exactly. deal with it, right? Mm -hmm. Just, and I always say this, I had to learn how to navigate whiteness. Now you get to learn how to get navigate blackness or whatever uh, group that you have to learn to navigate, but walk out in that faith that it's gonna be okay and get someone who can guide you through the process. Don't just lean on you know, your one black friend or your one black client or anything like that. You have to kind of test the waters and see if it's that type of relationship where you can ask you know, for that feedback and then just do it. Well, and I want to talk about these topics too, because there's several areas we can go in one, but I want to finish the thread on manifesting your greatness, because from you, I was beginning to learn, you know, as a client, as a client of mine at the time, I was watching you uh, on the professional side, dealing with all sorts of things, right? So as a, as a reverend, as a pastor, I was like, wow, look at you have to deal with this as a leader, right? So you're moving from from this situation to this situation, right? But you're learning to grow, grow as a business owner and move into something else. So it wasn't simply, you know, being a professor and a psychologist anymore. It was blending the work that you'd done in racism before, dismantling racism. You were incorporating that. You were incorporating um, the 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 work that you were doing as a pastor, you were incorporating all of it and you were stepping up in leadership at the same time. And I was watching you, which I often do with my clients. I was watching you in leadership and seeing you move and move and work with other people in, in leadership. And I, all I kept thinking on my side was even though technically in that point, I wasn't your client, which I later became, but I wasn't your client at that time. I was learning from you how to become an even more impactful leader that I said that I wanted to become. And it was the same thing in recognizing I do want to have an inclusive environment. I say that I want to do that. Now my actions need to follow. And if I'm saying that, I'm not just saying it on paper or writing it on paper, or this is who I am. It's what else do I need to learn how to do to step into the leader, into my greatness, to be inclusive. And that's when things flipped in that regard. And I was like, Carolyn, how can you help me in a professional role, step into something that I'm still struggling with as a white woman coach, as a woman who wants to lead? who's in this conversation in, in racism right now. And like, I'm not, this suddenly feels uncomfortable and I'm uncertain. 
yet I'd done some of the work already and I am conscious. So who else could I lean into but you? <laughs> like, help me navigate this, which you have programs and you do this work. So I want you to talk about your work at this point now too. Oh my gosh, Jeannie, you know, it's so, listen, I could just talk to you all day because you keep saying things that really spark uh, things because what you just said was really important. And it's a, so I do work around dismantling racism. I teach courses, I have a six week course. Um, my three week course, I'm actually turning into an e-course so people can do uh, self-study. I really like the classes where we can meet live because I get to practice with folks and help them to have uncomfortable conversations and put them in places during role play that they don't wanna be in, but it's also to help them grow. But what I love about what you're saying and the work that I do is helping people to recognize, yeah, you're already doing some of this work. Yeah. There's just additional things that you need to do. So if you can let go of this idea of, oh my goodness, I, I don't know how to do any of this work. I don't know mm -hmm. what I'm doing, blah, 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 blah. If you can take a step back to say, but what am I doing right now? Yes. Then what do I need to improve on? And then thirdly, who do I need to help me improve on it? I think you'll go a longer way as opposed to being in this spot of like guilt, shame, and uncertainty. And, and what happened last year when people suddenly became woke, I think it made people who were already a, a bit woke say, oh my gosh, I'm not doing enough. And it became overwhelming. Yes, yeah. And the overwhelm, has stopped people from doing the work. And if, if there's anything that your listeners can take from this conversation is take what you are already doing and do more of that mm -hmm. and do it in stages. You can't learn everything about what it means to be black in America in one day or six weeks or one year. I still continue to do work in the area of dismantling racism, there's so many facets that I still have to study so that when I teach other people about dismantling racism, so for instance, if I'm talking with a nutritionist, I have to know about nutrition and how it shows up for black right. and brown people in this country. I still continue to study. So for those who are listening, know that all that that is important for you to take it in stages. But but do it, do it. Don't just say I don't have to focus on it at all because you do. Absolutely. I, and I think that this is a big piece of being conscious, right? So there's like levels of consciousness, right? Like uh, some of uh, some people are becoming, some people already were, some people are questioning, <laughs> yes. right? Yes. So becoming more racially conscious, I think this is happening for many people. Mm -hmm. And as a business owner, I'd like you to talk about uh, this because, well, there's two parts to it. One is in how we are supporting. So there's one level of, you know, when you're committing to, I'm going to do the work. I, this is important to me. And, and I want to explain why it was important to me actually first, because for me, I was like, you know, Carolyn, there were several women beside you. I was like, Carolyn is an important woman in my life. And I know that this work to do this, it didn't seem like work to me years ago. It's it, to me, the first time you said something to me about 
it is really helpful for me to see other women of color uh, in the room. And I was like, all right, well, what? A, wow, thank you for telling me. And then the other part was, there's not representation in my marketing materials or on my website. I'm like, thank you for telling me. And it wasn't like, I felt like I had to do this deep exploration on it at that point. It was like, oh my gosh, you're kidding. I, I, didn't, I wasn't aware of that. And in, in a way, it wasn't like I had to do this whole analysis. It was, I was already there. But what happened last year for me was, am I, am I enough? Mm-hmm. Am I a good friend? Mm-hmm. Am I appropriate? Um, and what am I doing in my work? Um, and so I sort of went down this whole rabbit hole of, I got I to gotta rethink this because I'm not sure where I am in this spectrum, right? Right. right. And so there's levels to this, right? And you support, especially women who are wanting and saying, I'm, I'm interested in doing this. You're supporting the conversation. You're supporting the things that they begin to question. Tell, talk more about how you support, not only in the work that women are doing or, or wanting to do, but also in friendship, because I love that this other thread I hadn't really thought about until recently. Just go all in, Tarlyn. Talk about it all. <laughs> well, that's a lot. That's a, that's a lot. I want to first just talk about this issue of level of awareness. Yes. And one of the things that I do in my courses, but also when I coach people just privately, is to start to open the door to awareness a bit more. So, mm-hmm. for example, it's great that... Um, you are comfortable with women of color and that you invite them into your groups. And, you know, we, we just all one big happy family when we're in your group working with you. Right. It's not that you don't kick our butts. I just want to make that known to your listeners, but like, like we support each other, love each other and all of that. But what's important in this level of awareness is to notice that even though in your mind, people will say, I just, I don't see color. First, level of awareness is is to see color. Yes. To know that I am different, to know that things may be different for me socially, to know that, for instance, when I go in a store, like I did very recently with my, my hoodie up and my daughter says to take it down, to know what my lived experience is, because she's telling me to take that down, take my hoodie off so that people don't assume I'm stealing. Mm -hmm. And I'm a grown grown woman walking into a store where there are white people walking in with their hoodies. It's raining. So we're all trying to, but the fact that I had to do that, right? So this level of consciousness means knowing that I'm a black woman, knowing that my lived experiences are different. Mm -hmm. So that's one of the things that I would say in terms of racial consciousness, but also this idea of knowing historically how the story of our country has Mm -hmm. been shaped so that white people are seen as superior and people of color are seen as inferior. Mm -hmm. But to be conscious that we act on that level because a part of what happens is we don't realize that when we don't hire people to be the CEO or hire people who are going to help us manage our businesses, and we only look for those people who are white, we don't recognize how much we're steeped in whiteness. We don't recognize how our history has taught us to see people of color as inferior. Right. So I know your listeners might be saying, oh, no, that's not true. We don't see them as that. 
but go back and look at the ways in which you've managed your business or you've hired folks. And if you've hired mm -hmm. folks as your assistant, as opposed to the person who's running your business alongside you, these are, these are the things that people have to become aware of. So th that's a piece of the racial consciousness. And then when I'm working with coaches, it's around, or, or, or actually CEOs as well, it's around mm -hmm. saying, how are you showing up in your company? How are you leading in such a way that folks in your company who are, are, are of color feel safe and secure and know that you support them moving up in the company. So, so the racial consciousness is around having folks to take a look at that. Yes. Right? To see how you're running your business and then how you are responding to folks as well. And even take a look at your neighborhoods. Right, because we had an exercise that we had to do in, in one of the classes that we did together where I had people to say what's happening in your community. What kind of support is in your community for people of color so so I don't know if that really answers all of what you asked me because you asked. A I lot. asked you a lot <laughs> I wanted to kind of just talk about this piece of racial consciousness and so really it's like, for instance, in my basic course that I teach it's mm -hmm. it's a uh, called the ABCs of bridging the racial divide. One of the things I do is to talk about the antecedents. Where did we learn who we are? What are the stories we've been told over time? And so how did we get to this place in this country that we're in now? And then how do those antecedents shape our beliefs and our thinking? And then what are some of the consequences for that? And so that's the ABCs of, of racism. And so for me in the course, what I do is go through this, this process of helping folks to change their awareness, then change their behavior, and then change their commitment mm -hmm. to dismantling racism. Because a lot of folks in 2020 said that they were going to rah, 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 they were going to help to dismantle racism. Well, we know that the research has shown that the interest has gone down yeah. because it's been tiring for folks. It's been too much for them to invest in the conversation. I'm tired of talking about racism. And yet it, the work is not done. And right. So, and this is sometimes that can be tiring, even in my role as a coach, sometimes it's, we do hard work, right? You, the work that you do can be hard and you listen, we like, we all have many friends in our lives. So this other piece I want to talk about is I remember thinking, I think it was when, was it a couple of months ago when you put up the post, you and Kim had, I, I remember seeing you and Kim have many, this is another person we're going to talk about in a second, uh, have really interesting conversations. And I remember being in our mastermind and I knew that you had a friendship beyond, right? Yes. But then you decided to host a joint training. Yes. And I, right. And I thought, oh, well, first of all, I love both of you. And you're like, like, <laughs> I don't know if you saw, there's like a new show or well, we would just watch it recently. Anyway, it was like Oct Octavia Spencer was on with Melissa McCarthy and it was written by her husband and they're really good friends in real life. And so they're, I don't know if you've seen it or heard oh, of it. Oh, I haven't. It's hysterical. <laughs> it's a comedy. And it's like, he wrote it because he, they're super, they're super, what are they called? Like superheroes? Yeah. And oh, yes, yes. Okay. So anyway, like in my mind, I'm like, well, you know, 
Kim and Tara Lynn, they're superheroes. Like you come together, you know, you're like wonder twin powers unite, right? And yeah. I've seen you in the magic of your friendship too. But you have you always have really, I'm sure, very deep conversations, rich oh, conversations. We, we go well. in, we go yeah. in conversations, yes. yes. But talking so beyond the work as a business owner and so forth, there's another level of this friendship. Mm-hmm. And you came together and put together a uh, another series. Mm-hmm. I'd love for you to talk about this because this is something that is another level of consciousness. It's another level of like, I love, I love having women friends, all women friends, and I want to have long lasting friends. So mm-hmm. what is the name of this series that you did? So the series that Kim and I did was called White Women Tears, Black Women's Anger. And actually, we're still doing the series, but our very first conversation dealt with that topic. But the series is called White Women's Tears, Black Women's Anger Real Talk Series. And we we pick a different theme each month to talk about. Now, what's interesting is, because I want to go back to the women that we gather, Kim and I met in your program. Yes. And race wasn't the first thing that we talked about, but what drew us to each other is that we're very similar with some things. And so we began to form this relationship. And out of that relationship, for me, as a woman of color, when I develop deep relationships with white women, I want to be very clear about that, is that when those relationships are at their deepest, I can authentically talk about my experience as a black woman. Yes. And I found that Kim and I would get into these conversations on race. And from there, what happened was Kim and I just, we were just catching up one day. And of course we got into our conversation. On, I don't even know what we got on to talking about, honestly, because we talk about so much stuff, but we happened to talk about something as it was related to race. And we were like, we should just do that. We should do it a program together and we love it. And what Kim and I do is once a month, we have a real talk series, but from that real talk series, we then invite people to go deeper and they do a four week workshop with us. That four week workshop is an opportunity. So maybe folks aren't ready to dig in deep with some of the work that I do in my six week program or in my private coaching, but they're ready to begin to transform their own racial narratives. So we offer a four-week series on transforming your racial narratives. Whatever story you've told yourself about people of color or white people, because it really gets really good when we can have those authentic biracial conversation or triracial or however many different races are represented. It goes so deep when we as uh, women can ask each other the questions that we've wanted to ask each other around trusting one another. Uh, Oh my goodness, we've had such spectacular conversations. And it's all because Kim and I are friends and we can go deep because if it were just a work relationship, I, I might have to have some other guard up that I don't have with Kim. And what's really important is before Kim and I get in that workshop, we've done our work with the conversation that we're having and they're heavy conversations. Sometimes there are tears that are involved as well, but it's because we've got to work through it. And that's because it's an authentic relationship. 
Carolyn, I can't even tell you just like even as a mentor, you know, to be in that position to see friendships develop. That's on one level for me, right? And my communities have always like I, I created my communities because I didn't I wasn't finding what I wanted elsewhere. And in some ways I was like, you know, I want to have a space that I know is a inclusive of all women. And it was in every stage of business that they were in. So it was like one piece um, and what they wanted to do, it, like their work, right, within serving other people, because it's important. And, and then, and then also inclusivity too, when I started to really understand, like, I was like, I want a space that women feel comfortable that they could come here because doing the work we do as business owners, it takes a lot out of us. And so for me personally, like watching your friendship evolve, and I saw it over the course of three years or so. And I've seen that with other women, right? Like not just, um, not just your friendship, right, that you have with her, but I know that you have another beautiful, rich relationship in the sense of like a deep relationship with another woman as well, who introduced you to, to me originally. And I think that when we're wanting to expand what matters, what is important to us, friendships, um, inclusivity, making a difference, manifesting our own greatness, we're we're going to have to do tough work. Yes. And, and it's not always going to be smooth and easy. And yet we have to rest. (laughs) But, but this ties back to the reverend part of your title. You lean back into something often. Can you share more about how you step back into faith and trust and guidance in knowing your path and your purpose and what is important for you, even in the hard stuff that happens in life? Yeah. My faith is everything to me. Yeah. I, I, I don't waver in that. And I've known all it's, it's been a part of me all my life because it's how my parents raised me, but I know it for myself not just because my parents taught me that. And it is the thing that helps me to make those tough decisions like leaving my job, you know, or or Jeannie, even when I signed up with you because a part of what happens, and I think this is really important for this story. When I signed up to work with you, Jeannie, I was leaving my husband at the time. And I was also, I had a, a private practice. Yes. And I was like, where am I gonna get all this, this money? to work with Jeannie and to expand my business in the way that I wanted to. But it was my faith that said, this is the person that you need to work with and you will be cared for during this process, right? Now, that doesn't mean that there weren't some hard times. I'm not going to say that there were not hard times with that. But my faith said, but more is going to come at some point and you continue to serve. You continue to do the work that you do. This is your calling. And I didn't know then what was going to be around the corner in 2020. I I didn't know any of that, but I just knew what I was called to do. And I think that for your listeners, whether whether your faith is in God or in something else, always go back to tapping into who you are. And for me, that's what I do at all times, tap into who I am and whose I am. So that when stuff gets really hard, it's what keeps me grounded. I look at the chaos of the world, the chaos we were, we've been in for 
many years before this. And I responded very differently to that chaos because I know that for me, there is something greater and that I must rise to the highest level of my consciousness, which is which for me is knowing that I am loved unconditionally and I'm divinely created. And so there's something else greater than all of this madness that's happening. And that's what keeps me going. And that's what calls me to help other people that I see because I'm here to serve. Yes. And you continue to do work to be able to make that happen, to be able to serve and, and however it is you're being called to do. And I look back and I think, you know, when you first came to me, <laughs> when we were first working together, there was a lot that you were working on trying to sort out which direction am I going? What should I focus on? Uh, you know, you knew how to gather a room of people, but it was like, how do I create programs and services that would allow people to work with me and get the support and transformation? And you've learned so much. And I yeah. see you, you're at such a different phase and stage in your business. You're able, you learned a lot of the businessy stuff in, in our work. And I see you now able to, because you learned a lot of that, I see you now able to do the important work. What is purposeful? What is meaningful? Mm-hmm. Because you learned how to become a business owner at the same time. Yes. And that's critical because I don't teach you how to become a business owner as a psychologist or, you know, even, right. even as a pastor, you know, I, my game is stepped up as a leader because I'm leading a church now and have to be responsible for so many things. But Jeannie, I just had like a quick flashback. And I think this is also important in terms of you listening. When I came to you talking about sacred, selfish and shared, like my whole idea around sacred intelligence What I noticed in my very first meeting with you is that you didn't put the sacred to the side. And a lot of coaches do that. Mm -hmm. And while it wasn't your primary focus for, for me necessarily, you understood it was important for me. And it's so funny because as you talk about me growing over the years, I also can see over the years (laughs) how, how you've like just evolved into this whole other person too. And isn't that what our greatness is about? Yes. is being able to listen to one another and to see the places where we can grow into the fullness of our being. And that's yes. what I believe that I've done over the years. And I, I, I believe you've done that as well, but that's really my goal. And so even with dismantling racism, it's about helping people to come into the fullness of who they are so that they can help other people come into the fullness of who they are. Well, part of what I love about our connection and the conversations that we can have is that I know that I want to, and I know that as a business owner, it's it's really something um, to support everyone and to do the work in the world. I want to continue to learn. I love being in conversation about all of these topics, about becoming more racially con- conscious, about where am I on, you know, what is next for me? How do I become more inclusive? I'm in it in not because I have to, because it's trendy and that's what people are doing. It's because I want to, it's because people matter to me and my work matters. And I know that that that's who you work with too, right? Who people who are saying, this is not something that is going to be a trend. That's right. Right. 
And, and so in your work, um, you've explained that you can work with people in a variety of ways, in, in courses, you have programs. I know you also work with leaders and individuals in stepping up into their greatness. And, and I'm, I think you're still doing some work with people one-on-one. -on -one. Is that correct, yes, Caroline? I am doing work with people one-on-one -on -one in that area too, because the work that we do on dismantling racism has to first begin with us. And so I work with leaders in terms of helping them to do the self-transformation that's necessary to be able to walk out of that fear, basically into faith that you can do this, this work, and also working with them to help them to understand this becomes a daily walk, so much so that you don't even have to think about it anymore. Mm -hmm. Right. So just like everything else, it becomes a part of your being. And I work with leaders um, not only just to take a look at what's happening in their company, but helping them to think about ways that they can engage with a broader society, uh, you know, around this work on dismantling racism. And Jeannie, I think the one thing that I want your audience to know is this. When we seek to dismantle racism, it does not mean that we're going to be showing up on social media all the time, posting about it or going out into the streets, marching about it. It means the quiet, subtle ways that we choose to dismantle racism in the daily systems that are in place that keep people oppressed. And in order for us to do that, we have to know what those systems are. And that's what I want to challenge your not really challenge, encourage your listeners to do is to find out the ways in which racism continues to exist in this country. And what can you do then to dismantle that? Well, one of the things I remember very clearly is just this uh, opportunity to explore, to, to really look at your beliefs, what you're seeing, start to observe. And I remember doing that in the beginning. And the other question that I had had was that same thing. Like, I'm not necessarily... I don't think I'm ever, I don't know if I've ever been to any form of protest of any sort of thing. And so it's not like I'm, that's not my nature anyway. And I thought, well, what is taking action? What does that mean? And so one of the things I remember very clearly was that it looks different for everybody, right? But it's, mm -hmm. it, it, whatever that means to you, it's you're taking action in what, and it might be small steps in the beginning. It could be grand. It could be very visual. Um, it could be internal first, because this all goes back to the 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 selfish piece, right? So like right. internally, right. right? You start with selfish, right? right. With your own relationship, exactly. right? Exactly. And I was really starting to look at that. But I I know personally, I make strides every day to think, how am I being, how am I really being a good person on this planet? Like in like, what am I going to do today to make a difference? And I mean, I'm saying in a kind of a general way, but like, I, I hit the ground thinking, how am I going to make a difference today? What am I going to do today to support people too? Well, and Jeannie, I just want to say this because that word good person comes up a lot when people will say, yeah. well, I'm not a racist, I'm a good person. And I just want people to know that being anti-racist, dismantling, racism is not about whether you're a good person or not. Yeah. It's really about thinking what, how can I become more aware today? Yeah. And I wanted to share that, that I had one person who participated in my course 
And she's probably not a person either who would get out and protest. But you know what she did one day? They kept calling it the George Floyd trial. And she messaged her local uh, television show, news um, show, and said, can you stop calling it the George Floyd trial? It's the Mm -hmm. Derek Chauvin trial. Mm -hmm. And they Mm -hmm. changed it. So there are little ways in which we can dismantle racism as well that, that really uh, helps to support people who feel oppressed in some way in this country. And so I appreciate the, the, the waking up asking, how can I serve today? How can I do something different? And, and even if that something different isn't directly related to dismantling racism, let's say you're looking at an issue that's related to LGBTQIA issues. Mm -hmm. What is the intersectionality though of race in even looking at that particular group of individuals, right? So there, there are ways in which we're just saying, how can I become more awakened to right. what's going on in the world today? Yeah, and I think that that's like the awareness piece is tremendous. I think for me personally, I also go back to, I operate from the value of kindness. Yes. And so I think that might be really instead of good, it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's I'm a, I really do think okay, kindness is important to me. So if I'm being kind in all ways, what does that mean? If I'm taking my level of awareness to another degree, going beyond where I've been, because I'm working in a way that aligns to my values, right? Yes. What does that mean? That is so, oh, I love that, Jeannie. Because I love, love, love that because there are a lot of people who will say they have the values of kindness, but they'll ignore a whole group of people. Exactly. So I love that you're describing it in that way, then that you're clarifying, this is what it means to me to be mm-hmm. a good and a kind person, that I'm not only concerned about me, I'm concerned about the world. Yeah. And I think that that's where some of the work, when I first took your program, I remember thinking, Okay, so what are my values? What is important in my business? What is important in my relationships? What is important overall in my purpose for me? And then I thought, okay, what isn't completely lining up here? <laughs> right? Like, where do I need to do some work? Right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And how can I continue to evolve? And that's where I know you have some very interesting conversations that can be challenging at times, but as a facilitator, as a, a leader, you do the work. You're you're trained in some ways to do the work, right? Like that's what it is. You're trained right. to, to work in your field. However, sometimes it's also, there are really difficult conversations to, to hear <laughs> on a personal level too, right? Yeah. Be, yeah. So, so it's interesting, Jeannie, because I'm trained to do the work on dismantling racism. I think one of the things that I may not have said early in the show is that I had years of traveling the country doing this work on dismantling racism long before uh, 2020. And I actually had put it to the side just for a moment and came back to it because I had, because the work needs to be done. But there is a difference between when I am a trainer Yes. And I'm also on a personal level having the conversation. So it's important for those of your listeners to know that you have to take care of yourself yes. and you can't be just in training mode all the time, but you have to have a place where you can go 
and have these conversations authentically. So if you're a white person doing this work, also know that you must go to your friends or colleagues or somebody and have right. that deeper conversation so that when you're training, you can stay at that level, a higher level of consciousness, do the work that you have to do, and then you go and go with somebody yeah. else, right? And I do the same thing in my work. Well, Terrilyn, we could go on for days and days, but prob probably it's a good thing that we don't because you can do a lot more work with helping individuals who want to take this conversation further in all of your programs. So, uh, so how can they learn more about you? And I don't know, um, what's the next step? What would so you like for people to get started would, with? The next step I would invite people to do is to go to sacredintelligence.com. That's S-A-C-R-E-D-I-N-T-E-L-L-I-G-E-N-C-E.com. You can find out all about my programs there. You can also email me at info at sacredintelligence.com. And I'd love to have a conversation and chat with you. Great. And you have a free gift, I believe, too, that people I can... do have a free gift. If they go to sacredintelligence.com, they'll be able to see the free gift offer. And it really is about uh, it's called Take a Breath. Okay. And it's really how do you get through the difficult conversations of dismantling racism? Ooh, that's good stuff. <laughs> you also have a book. Um, so we're going to put the link to the bottom of the chat as well. So people can see that in the show notes and social media. You have many ways. So once you enter Tara Lynn's world of uh, opportunity of places to explore <laughs> further, That's you will right. be able to see where she spends her time as well. And you are one busy woman, uh, always doing incredible things. Mm -hmm. So thank you for taking time with us today, Tara Lynn. I really thank appreciate you. it. Thank you for having me, Jeannie. It was wonderful. For those of you who are interested in taking this conversation further and looking more at how you can begin the, the process for yourself in dismantling racism, in whatever that might look like, whether you're beginning the journey, you're a little further along, I highly encourage you to start to learn from Tara Lynn and go, go to sacredintelligence.com. Uh, you'll learn all about her programs and, uh, and once you once you get to know Tara Lynn, you're not going to want, want to uh, leave her world anytime too soon. You'll always continue to learn. So thank you for always teaching me in so many ways. And just um, as you are as a leader, Tara Lynn, I just I'm always inspired by all the things that you're doing in the world too. Thank the you. impact. Uh, so everyone, thank you for being here and another episode of the Midlife CEO. If you haven't not already joined our community, go on over to the Midlife CEO Facebook group, which is geniespyro.com forward slash CEO. We talk about all sorts of different topics in there related to growing a business in midlife and making more money at midlife. And I'm happy to have you join us. So until our next episode, thanks for listening, everyone. And I'll see you again soon. Take care, everyone. Thanks for listening to the Midlife CEO Podcast. If you like what you heard, please subscribe and give us some stars and a favorable review at Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen in.